Okay, so it's early morning rush hour on March 23rd, 2013, and there's a multiple car pileup after a tour bus collides with a tanker truck transporting an unknown substance on a major street in Halifax, Nova Scotia. The scene is pretty grim, and there's multiple casualties reported. The many injured individuals are rushed to the nearest hospital for emergency treatment. Later, they discovered that all of the victims had been exposed to a harmful pesticide that the tanker had been carrying. How does a healthcare team respond to a scene like this? This was the question posed to the School of Nursing at Dalhousie University when they staged a mass casualty disaster simulation. In other words, this was fake. The students were thrown into a mock catastrophe where they were required to triage and treat patients and deal with patients in physical as well as emotional shock from the accident. Students also had to practice an emergency plan for decontamination. Interestingly, it was the first mock disaster in Canada that actually took place in a real hospital emergency room. These mock disasters are becoming more common in faculties of nursing throughout Canada and the United States. Some regulating bodies have now stated that students must graduate having had emergency preparedness training. So this got us thinking, what is the expectation of a nurse in an emergency? How do we perform when it's a matter of life and death? And for us as nursing students, how has registering in nursing school influenced the expectations that will now be placed on us maybe for life. This is Nursing Student Narratives, where we explore the stories that stick with us long after the shift has ended. My name is Claire Shaysgreen, and I am a nursing student and the host of this podcast. For our inaugural episode, we've decided to keep it all in the family, to bring you stories told by myself and my co-producer, Hilary Smith, and some of the people we know. So here we go. Our first story, Noah Reed. Well, this is what I remember from from the plane. My girlfriend and I were on a, uh, a trip to Cuba. We, we got on this plane. We fall asleep, you know. We I think we're listening to a podcast. And we <laughs> one 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 earbud in each person's ear, and we we fell asleep. And. I don't remember how long we were asleep for, but I just remember waking up to this this kind of intense distress call from from this woman uh, behind us in the plane, probably about seven rows behind us. And she was saying, basically calling help, help, um, that her husband or partner, uh, you know, she was afraid that he 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 had he had died. And I just remember looking back, like kind of groggily waking up, looking at my girlfriend and looking behind me between the seats and seeing this man who was probably in his 70s, uh, white and, and just head back on the chair, uh, looking very despondent and, you know, I, my immediate uh, assessment was that this man had died right next to her. So next, it seemed to me that the flight attendant called out, you know, is there a doctor on the plane? It's that cliche moment that you think about in movies of like, is there a doctor on the plane? And like, you just hope that like the greatest doctor in the world is like, yes, I'm here. I will save the day. 
I'm not a doctor, so I immediately, you know, uh, kind of shrunk down in my chair. Um, but my girlfriend is a nursing student, and immediately she kind of, kind of crouched into this ready position and looked at me with panic and said, what should I do? So I go like, baby, don't, don't, don't worry, don't do any, let's just see, let's just, let's just wait it out. I, I just, uh, my, my gut reaction was, don't do anything, there's probably somebody more qualified. You know, somebody did pipe up and say they were a, a, a resident uh, in medical school. I don't know in what capacity, I don't actually even really know what that means. So eventually, I think what I remember happening is uh, the woman calmed down a little bit when uh, I guess there was some kind of, uh, they, they were taking the man, they, they laid him down in the aisle and they took his, his vitals and he, they did some kind of, they probably did some kind of little uh, heart palpitations. What's the technical term for the the pumping that happens? I don't know, um, and uh, and the and the guy was okay. Like he kind of came to, and like he had just basically passed out, um, but he looked dead. I think the civilian in me went, "Oh God! Well, let's just watch what happens," um, and the professional in her went, uh, "I should do something." So I'm just going to jump in here. The her in this story is me. So here's me. So then this resident steps forward before I can kind of make a decision about what I'm going to do here. By the time she got there, she didn't do CPR. He didn't, he didn't actually need intervention. Nothing happened. She kind of went up, took a look at him, took his pulse, you know, and then suddenly he kind of just woke up. It could have been just the altitude. I think he just lost consciousness for a moment and he came back and there was nothing wrong. If Noah hadn't been there, I would have gone, I think. I think I would have gone and I would have at least offered, if he did need CPR, to, you know, to help her. Like, you need multiple people doing CPR. You know, if he was having a seizure, well, then I should be, I should be timing his seizure. You know, while she's treating him, I'm looking to see if he has any medication. I'm asking questions. There's just, it's not a one-person job. I think in that moment, you have an obligation. You have, you have registered in nursing school, and thereby you have an obligation when someone asks that question to offer yourself up. The expectation on me, even though I'd only done four months of school, was to be honest about the fact that I knew something, I might be the only person who knew how to do CPR on that plane. I think my mistake was asking. That, that really shows that I, at the beginning, I didn't know. I didn't know if I was comfortable doing something. It was the first time that I'd had any question, uh, that there'd been any expectation on me outside of nursing school, or what I felt was an expectation. So. But in asking, I said, I don't know, can I do this? Am I going to be able to do something? To someone who doesn't know anything about nursing. And 
Um, and I think that doing it again, my first thing would have just been, you know, go with your, go with your gut. You're the, you're the person, you're the one with the knowledge, you're the one with the skills. You have to figure out for yourself if you can do that. So what's so interesting about these expectations is that they're not just societal. They come from family, friends, and basically anybody who knows that you are a nursing student. My co-producer, Hillary Smith, has an interesting story about this. Here's Hillary. I have several health professionals in my family, and now all of a sudden I'm questioning, am I legitimately one of them? Am I, am I in this in the know and that I had this experience of going to visit my uncle um, in the hospital who uh, was quite elderly my great uncle um, and that I had heard from my mom that he had had a fall and, and that he was having some mobility issues and then I go into the hospital with my with my cousin and, and my aunt and I, I feel like I'm comfortable like finding where the nursing station is and asking questions to the nurses um, and I feel comfortable chatting with his nurse and getting a report and understanding what he means. And then I go in to see him, and not only has he had a fall with some mobility issues, but he's paralyzed from the neck down and absolutely unresponsive to verbal stimuli. And I'm viewing him from these two lenses of, oh, this is a family member, and then also doing my like an assessment, to, you know, yeah. We always hear that, you know, they were just hooked up to wires, but now I understood what those wires meant. Like, oh, I see his G-tube, and I see the IV fluids that he's getting. I was sort of at the end of the bed. I didn't want to get in the way of anything. It was a, in a four-person room. So already, like, so limited for space. Other patients were making noise. I was kind of apprehensive, just standing back a bit. And then at the same time, we had also gotten my one of my aunts on FaceTime. So she was across the country, but she is actually um, my uncle's substitute decision maker. And she is also a palliative care pain specialist. Um, she's a physician. My aunt was using, like, was up fairly close to him with, like, on FaceTime to really try and get a picture of how he was doing, watching his breathing. But, you know, it's still over FaceTime, so it's not the same as being there in person. So then she asked me, you know, what was my assessment? And all of a sudden, I was now a nurse in the room, not a family member, probably seeing this person for the last time. And I'm, like, I'm like going through. I see, like, okay, like, abdominal breathing... And I see thrush, and I see obvious nonverbal expressions of pain, despite the fact that the nurse has told me that he's refusing pain medication. Um, but overall, my clinical picture is like, this is someone who's dying. This is someone who is actively dying and will die imminently. And like, I don't know if that's my nursing background that has educated me to believe that, or is that just something inherent that you see in someone when you see in a family member? And so I, how do you phrase that to when someone asks you, what is your clinical assessment? And I think I noted the, 
the pain and the uh, it looked like some difficulty breathing. Um, but I didn't really know what else to say, and it really caught me. As to like, I'm expected to be an authority here, but what do I really know? And like, what what are my skills really really offering here? But I felt, oh, I I understand the institution. I am an insider here, and I did feel like I was viewing things through this lens that I guess is now a part of who I am. I can't take that, those glasses off. I'm going to see things as a nurse now. And that did frame the experience for me in a, maybe it made it less scary because I had more of an understanding or maybe I could really see the, the gravity of the situation that, that this is problem. This isn't someone who's, this is functional decline and this isn't someone who's, going to come back to full capacity and he didn't come back at all I think I'm expected to be an authority on this system whether it's that I'm expected to know everything but that I, I have this privilege of being an insider to how the healthcare system works to what all these wires mean but I don't necessarily know what to do with that power privilege. Here's our last storyteller, James Marcus. He'll introduce himself. Uh, Hello, my name is James Marcus. I am a recent graduate from the uh, University of Toronto uh, in the nursing program. I graduated in 2015. And right now I am studying for my NCLEX. Which is tomorrow. Which is tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> I think it was the first weekend of school and someone, I was at the gym and someone passed out right in front of me coming out of the gym. And, um, you know, I, I actually caught him while he was falling to the ground and people were like people were coming around me like oh you you want me to call somebody I'm like yeah like I didn't know what to say I said oh I'm a nursing student but yeah definitely get some help and then as soon as I said that though everyone was like oh he's a nursing student he knows what to do but in in, you know in reality I had no idea what I was doing uh because I was just like one week into my education I didn't, well, I didn't know what was wrong. I, I just, I guessed that he was just um, dehydrated and overheated because it was a very hot day and just passed out from dehydration and exhaustion. And then someone, one of the staff members came and actually the, this, this kid uh, vomited. So I just put him on his side based on like <laughs> my, my uh, experience like lifeguard training, like way, way back in the day, just knowing that, you know, you put them in the semi-prone position, but um, yeah. So I was just in the, in the right place at the right time to catch him for, you know, falling on the ground and, and putting him in the appropriate position. But um, staff came and, you know, they took over, but yeah, if it wasn't, if it was someone just going into nursing and, you know, they and not having any health experience or any uh, first aid experience, you know, they wouldn't know what to do. And as a, as someone going into nursing school, 
especially at U of T, you know, you get all these backgrounds, arts, philosophy, and, you know, you're getting put into a position where, wow, you're, you're kind of responsible for someone's life. And, uh, yeah, it's a big expectation for sure. I think with family expectations, I, I get it all the time, you know, family members asking, I've got this pain in my abdomen. I've got, I've got this, this and this, and you know, what do you think's wrong? And I've come to the point where I just tell them, um, I can do like, I can assess it. I can look at it, but I'm not, I'm not at a point where I can really tell you what's wrong. We have to, you have to go get that checked out. And, uh, you know, I can educate family members on what to do, what to, what, how to eat and, and try to teach them healthy ways and healthy lifestyles. But to a point where you can't, you can't say, Oh, I'm going to diagnose your illness right now. You can't do that. It's out of scope. And in terms of, you know, being a student, you just have to say, you know, like I'm still learning and it's, it's, I don't know everything. You just can't know everything right away. Even though you come out of nursing school and you are a nurse, you know, you, you can say I'm a registered nurse. But there's a lot, lot, that's the great thing about nursing. There's so much learning that has to be done until you can say, oh, I'm an expert at this. And it's with most, most professions, but it's that expectation. You're right. The family, not only family, but, but people outside of family, they have an expectation of you are a registered nurse. You know what's wrong or you know what to do, even though, oh, yeah, I don't have the experience yet. For you, when do you think? you know, you would be able to kind of just say to your family member, okay, or, or does that never come? Because unless that's your specialty, unless, you know, you go into burns and they have a burn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think, um, yeah, there's so, there's so many specialties and, and unless that is part of your specialty, you're right. You, you, You don't, there's all this information that you don't know. And Exactly, like you said with burns, unless I'm a burn, uh, you know, a nurse who works on a burn unit, I may not know, know too much about burns, but I know a bit of it about them, and I can tell you a bit about them, but not to the knowledge of a, a, a nurse that works on a burn unit. But the great thing is, as a nurse, you can learn about it, and you can become an expert about it if you want to. So that's episode one. What did you think? What's your opinion? Get in touch with us by checking out our Facebook page, following us on Twitter at NSN Podcast, and visiting our website, www.nursingstudentnarratives.com. If you have ideas or stories that you'd like to share, we'd love to hear from you. This episode was produced by Hilary Smith and Claire Shays Green. Original music by Noah Reed. Special thanks to Lillian Miwani and Allison Fife Carlson from Red River College, as well as all of the awesome people at Girth Radio who made it possible to create this. Until next time.